I'm sorry, I totally didn't hear that because I was watching. I was trying to figure out how to watch Sherlock. So, so say this again. Sorry, sorry. Okay, because I'm gonna. This is a good. It's it's good. So I'll start okay. again. You start again, please. And I, I, I'm. You've got my undivided attention. Hi, this is Brett Terpstra and Christina Warren. You're listening to Overtired on ESN. How's it going, Christina? It's good. It's good. It's been a minute. It's been a minute since we've done this. I'm glad to be talking to you. You uh, you had other things to do. What were you up to? I was on a boat. <laughs> I was on a boat. <laughs> I was on a boat. I was on a cruise ship. Um, so it was uh, the holiday season and, and basically the week of Christmas. My husband and I went on a cruise to the Caribbean. Um, no, excuse me, not the Caribbean, the Bahamas. And uh, it was great. It was really, really nice. Um, I did not get off the ship at all. <laughs> <laughs> Why bother? <laughs> so why bother? Well, I mean, it's the Bahamas. I've seen the Bahamas. I don't really care. It was the Bahamas and it was Orlando. I'm like, I'm not getting off the coast. Yeah, skip Orlando. Did you it's have total. any port of calls on the way, though? It was the port of calls literally was like Orlando and then um, uh, the Bahamas. And one of the Bahamas ones we couldn't even get off on. It was like the, the Norwegian private island because the um, winds were too strong. So like the waves were too high. So they weren't able to dock safely. So, do you want to know you, why that sounds super familiar to me? Uh, why? The only cruise I've been on as an adult was uh, for my honeymoon, and we went down to somewhere in Mexico. But uh, it happened to be happening during Hurricane Katrina. Oh my god! So, oh uh, my god! When we left Florida, it was <laughs> Katrina had moved back out into the ocean as a like category two. And right. then while we were out there, it hit Category 5, and we had several port of calls canceled, and uh, there were um, barf bags tied to the railings every six feet on every deck because the the boat was just rocking back and forth for almost the entire cruise. And then we went uh, snorkeling at one port of call, and Aditi almost drowned, and then she got really mad at the number of like four-foot waves crashing onto her snorkel. And she bolted for the shore, but she headed straight towards the coral reef. And the guide had to, like, swim after her and grab her by the back of her swimsuit. And like, no! And then he had to point to the only four-foot area you could get through the coral reef. It was uh, it was an interesting vacation. That does sound interesting. But I mean, she was okay and everything. Oh, yeah. Just upset. She was Just mad. Upset. She was kinda, mad. Kind of spoiled the mood, you know? <laughs> the whole almost dying thing. The whole almost dying thing. You're like, actually... It was pathetic. Given the choppy seas, there was no, like, real uh, ocean life to see in the snorkel trip. It was basically just a survival exercise. That's really uh, funny. Yeah. It was the beginning of a wonderful marriage. Well, what well, uh, what did you do for uh, your vacation? This week? This, this year? Yeah. Uh, we decided, uh, given certain travel restrictions and time restrictions that we were going to just spend Christmas alone and do nothing. And it turns out that's really boring. And there was a part of me that actually missed being like prodded to stand in front of a fireplace for family photos and things. I never thought I would, uh, would regret not doing that, but there was something, uh, something missing, I guess. That's really interesting that you missed that. I couldn't imagine missing that. I couldn't either have before. Yeah. I I have to say being alone, which was the first time we've ever been alone, um for our holiday, I we were fine with it. 
no, overall, I was fine with it. Uh, I think it would have been different if we had, say, been on a cruise and had other things to do. But fair enough. It just fair felt enough. like such such a normal Tuesday kind of situation. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, and that's always weird. That's always weird when that's the case. It's like, oh, last, right. Last time it's that happened holiday. to me, I was in college and decided to skip going home, and my roommate had a tattoo gun that he'd gotten. And oh no! So I have uh, I have a Christmas tattoo from I think Christmas morning or Christmas Eve. They kind of blurred together, but that was the loneliest Christmas I can remember. Yeah. Wow! You got like a what? What's the tattoo of? It's um, chaos cross with a skull in the middle, based on a logo from a Warhammer box that I saw when my guitarist made us hang out with him at the comic book store for too long. Oh my god! <laughs> but it has a banner that goes across the front of it that I left intentionally blank. I didn't want to put a word in there that I would change my mind about later. So to this day, I still have a blank banner on the, on the back of my elbow, which I kind of like. I like the idea of uh, it says something but nothing. That is really funny. I can someday I'll 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 uh, write in like regret. He'd <laughs> be like, I regret nothing. <laughs> I regret it all. No, I regret I everything. I regret this. I regret getting this Christmas tattoo. The only reason I don't have any regrets is because I promised myself at the age of 14 that I would never, ever regret anything I did. <laughs> and I have, there are times that I do regret things, but I always you go back to that like promise. Stay true to myself. It's so weird. Shove it I down inside. See, I don't understand people who are like, I have no regrets because every decision I've made has left me to where I am. I'm like, well, Bitch, maybe I don't like where I am. Like, I have tons of regrets. There are tons of things where I look back. I'm like, yeah, you know what? I should have handled that differently. Or that wasn't the best decision that you made that night, morning, whatever. Like, <laughs> he wasn't the greatest guy. I mean, obviously, I'm, I'm, I'm overall okay with how things are now. Um, I mean, life could be better. But, like, I mean, I'm very happy with my relationship and – and um, a lot of things with my career and not everything. And, and you know, I'm, I'm happy that I get to do this podcast with you. But there are plenty of things where I'm like, no, actually, this would have been cool to, like, have a little time. You know, <laughs> this would have been different. Like, there, there are definitely things in my life where I'm like, yeah, I would have done something differently. And, and I, I don't understand. I mean, I get, like, you have, like, make promises to yourself, whatever. But, like, I genuinely, like, don't get the idea of a lot of people who are like, I have no regrets. It's like, you are lying. We all, there's always something in the back of all of our heads. Maybe I'm just a really insecure. Um, well, no. I mean, truth be told, I regret myself. Like, I feel like I was born so flawed that a lot of the decisions that I made in my life were kind of predestined. So, and, and that's not like I regret being born. It's that I regret having all of the problems that I do. But I, I, I refuse to dwell on that. I, I tend to take yeah. that brighter, like, you know, it's all a journey, which will seem yeah. less uh, valid as I get older and don't have as much time left to fix everything. No, I mean, I think that's fair. And I think that's absolutely one of those things where, yeah, I mean, I, I definitely did try not to, like, hold it against a certain thing. Be like, oh, I'm going to, like, dwell on this and, like, be mad that this is the way things are. But... um 
I, I, th- I, I guess that's I, I see that as being different from people who are like, oh, I don't regret anything I've ever done. I'm like, yeah, really? That's a, really? That's a pretty shallow thing to say. It's like, come on now. Come on now. There are plenty of things that I wish that I could go back and do differently. If only for the like, what if of it all. I think there have been movies like that. Yes, there have been a lot of movies like that and TV shows. I mean, like, it's a whole, you know, the whole alternate universe time theory thing. There was a really terrible Christmas movie with uh, Nick Cage about that, The Family Man. I didn't see that one. You missed nothing. That was, like, the year 2000, and it was a pretty terrible movie. I was going to say, like you said, how happy you were with your your relationship. Do you want to hear a shining example of how wonderful my relationship is? Yes. We had a we threw a party last night. It was called Happy New Thanksmas and kind of uh encompassed all of the recent holidays for our friends. And uh and prior to the party, we were cooking in the kitchen, both of us preparing our own dishes separately in one small kitchen. And I cannot imagine getting through that experience with anyone else and not breaking into arguments. And we did it, and it was fun, and we laughed the whole time, and it was amazing to me that we pulled that off. That's awesome. That's beautiful. I generally don't like sharing my kitchen. I will close the kitchen doors, and we we, we do have a, a, a kitchen that can be walled off, and I play my 70s soul music and do my cooking, and if anyone comes in, I get like, Arr. You're like, you stay out of my kitchen. But out of necessity yesterday, we did it, and we got along. That's awesome. That's really great. Thanks. Yay. Thanks for being happy for me. I am happy for you. I think that's awesome. So do you want to talk? We have we have several categories today. We have yes, we do. television, movies, mm-hmm. lifestyle, which we've kind of already touched Which we've already on. kind of covered. Yep. Uh, and tech, which there's plenty to talk about there. Where do you want to start? Let's start with television. Yes, let's. It's like my favorite thing right now. I just discovered a new show. I I I I got the CBS app because oh, no. well, it's so annoying that so many of those shows can't be found anywhere else legally. Right. I mean, I'm just saying. But I found a show called Life in Pieces. Okay, I'm gonna have to add this to the synology right now. It is um, the funniest show on TV right now. I. My wife and I both like doubled over laughing. We watched three episodes in a row, and I woke up sore the next morning from laughing so hard. There's What's like it about? One, there's one season. It's a it's a kind of an extended family. Um, so it's all the the brothers and sisters from a family with kind of a hippie dad and a therapist mom, and uh, his, the dad is like a former pilot, hard drinking guy, and uh, um. Then it's their significant others, and some of them have children. And there are four stories in every episode, and the episodes are named based on one-word synopses of the four stories. So you get really... I'm going to look up one of these titles for you, because they get very um, funny. And it's not until after you see the episode that you uh, you understand why it was named something such as... Where's my episode list? Flight Bite Wingman Bonnie. Uh, burn Bisectomy Milkshake Pong. Okay. These, it's So each one of those, there's a, a story about a burn, a bisectomy, a milkshake, and ping pong. <laughs> and 
They, it, it, the delivery is amazing. The cast is 100. There's no weak member in that cast. And they're even two very young actors. And uh, uh, Lily in Modern Family mm-hmm. has grown on me. And she's she's gotten to be quite good. But when she first came on, I felt like she was a weak link in the show. Uh, they gave her lines that weren't in character for what she was able to portray. But the well, two- I mean, that she's a tiny little girl. Oh, I know, I know. I just felt like they pushed lines on her that came off. They didn't come I off. I agree. They properly. tried to Olsen twin her. Yeah. And she, and like I said, she's gotten way better over a couple she, years. She, but. Well, yes, it's actually been the reverse of the Olsen twins. The Olsen twins are very cute when they were little. And then as that show progressed, their acting ability did not improve. <laughs> and it became like terrible. Like now, like the child is like expected to carry a whole storyline. And you're like, right. oh, actually, you can't because <laughs> you actually can't. Neither one of you can. Like, we, kept you, we kept you from having any actual life experience that would inform your acting ability. Precisely. And so now we've got two of you who we don't know what to do with. And and then somehow they ended up creating a billion dollar VHS empire um, on those terrible made to TV movies, which continues to pay for like their billionaire heiress bullshit now, right. which is great, good for them. Like honestly, genuinely, like good for them. Like I don't hate them or anything, but yeah, you're right. But I but I feel like Lily on Modern Family is kind of the opposite, where they started out and they were like gave her lines. She wasn't that cute as a kid. She was like a cute kid to look at, but not to hear. But now as she's gotten older. She can they, pull off both. She can, she can say yeah. something innocent and cute or something, you know, terribly biting at the same time. Which um, is the perfect thing for that character. But the kids on Life in Pieces, there are two two young girls, one very young girl, one uh, like tween girl, and then a teenage boy. And they are all excellent. That's they great. actually steal the show occasionally. It's uh, it's it's really good. I, I I think for me, it's kind of a hidden gem. I saw a couple of ads for it and decided to look it up, and then ended up having to get CBS to do it. But um, it's still it it is. Uh, I I recommend it to anyone who can handle just something slightly edgy. It's it's kind of like it has the same appeal to me as uh, like terrible people, horrible yeah. people. Difficult people? <laughs> yes. Difficult. It's been off for so long now, I've forgotten. Um, difficult, people difficult people or uh, or you're the worst, but without yeah. being as offensive. I love difficult people. So Grant and I recently discovered that and are just like loved it, like binged it. I can't wait for it to, like, to come back. That was like, that's definitely Hulu's best show yet. Yeah. I, I am. Uh... I mean, I don't count Mindy Project because Mindy Project was around before. <laughs> it well, wasn't a Hulu great. original. It was not a Hulu original. Right. But, but, but Difficult People is. And I love it. Yeah. I got Showtime, too. What am I watching? Oh, Homeland. Homeland. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I got. I, I tore through Homeland once we finally started it. Oh, it's so good. It's, it gets. There are seasons that are not as good. Yep. But the first two are, like, fantastic. Yeah, there, there are seasons where it goes more into drama. And now yeah. that she is, you know, uh, it was kind of what happened with House of Cards, where once he became president, it got less interesting. Totally. Like, totally. Season three of House of Cards was by far, the, in my opinion, the, 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 the least good because there wasn't as much of that drama. It's like, OK, well, he's already achieved this. And that's right. why you kind of see, like, even in the show, like, they've got to dismantle what's happening so they can be like, oh, Right. Well, now he spends all his time defending against people like himself who are, you know, uh, viciously aspirational. Right. Which would be interesting if you were okay with shifting the focus of the show to one of those people. Right. Exactly. But 
But in a show like House of Cards, Frank Underwood's got to be the center. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, having anybody else trying to star in that show would be like someone else trying to star in Dexter. Like, that just doesn't (laughs) happen. You know what I mean? Like, it's called Dexter. Have you seen his his musical? Yes. Uh, I haven't seen... I've seen him perform songs from it in Bowie style. It's weird to hear a David Bowie voice coming out of Dexter. Yeah, he's he he's Michael C. Hall is great. <laughs> and it's weird too because I used to always think of him as the gay guy from Six Feet Under, and then he was Dexter, and now it's like he's 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 really good at being kind of a chameleon, to being kind of like, oh, okay, I can kind of do all these weird things. Kind it's of. Awesome. There was this awesome moment when he was on Colbert, and uh, Colbert asked him to look into the camera and do his his nice boy next door face, and then change it into the uh nice boy next door who wants to wear your skin and all he did was curl like one side of his lip just like a couple millimeters and all of a sudden he became dexter and it was was amazing (laughs) yeah i didn't see his musical like live i've just like you just seen like some of the clips but it's like kind of amazing actually like definitely i like him i do too i like him a lot i wish that he and uh deb hadn't gotten divorced that was sad I don't even know who that is. Cause uh, he was married life. to the chick who played his sister. Okay. On Dexter. Oh, wait. Wasn't his sister on Dexter? Isn't she on uh, Limitless yes. now? Yes, she is. Which I am actually enjoying that show as like a kind of like fluff it. show. It's another CBS show you enjoy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can't believe you pay for the CBS All Access. Well, I'm currently in the free trial. We'll see what happens after that. I mean, it's like $6 a month. Yeah. On top of... Showtime and HBO yeah. and yeah. So I mean, at a certain point, I'm basically have, paying for cable now. I was gonna say you're you're doing what I've been predicting <laughs> for years, which is basically all these bundles are gonna happen, and we're just gonna re be we're, we're just buying it out the same pipe, which is one one of the only reasons why I'm okay with actually paying for cable because I do still get access to all that stuff except for the CBS BS. I don't get access to that, yeah. which is fine. Um, so the thing is, everything's on demand though, which I right. prefer to cable. Right, well, entirely the on-demand stuff too yeah just, i know it's nice i i just like the security of like it's x o'clock and i now have time to you know just like turn on the tv and just oh, see i hate TV. that those moments were why i canceled cable because i would turn on the tv and there would be nothing on 150 channels that i wanted to watch and every time except I the, housewife the channel marathon. button There's always the housewives marathon never or- the housewife marathons and then every time I clicked the the channel button, it felt like money just shooting out of the remote control. And I would much rather just be able to ask Siri to find a show I like with an actor I care about anytime. Yeah, I guess that makes sense. There's a new Sherlock last night. Yeah, I, I, I saw that. I'm not Where a do I find watcher. it? Uh the internet? Torrent? <laughs> well I mean, no, it should be see. it should be on like PBS or yeah, it should be on PBS, actually. It, it's, it wasn't in the app. I'll have to dig for it. I, I am a Sherlock watcher. I enjoy all three episodes a year. It's fun. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I mean, I, I don't mind the show. Um, I, I, I've seen, like, a couple episodes, and it's good. It's just, it's a lot to get into. Um, so, apparently, it's on Masterpiece for CBS. It, I'm, I'm, conf- I'm looking at this now. I'm trying to confirm this. Yeah, they're not they're not giving me any information. But Wait, I mean so apparently CBS has elementary and Sherlock. PBS. PBS. Sorry, I didn't mean CBS. I meant PBS. Okay. Oh yeah, I'll find it. Yeah. So I have this list of girls in my life that I spent many 
weekends watching X-Files with. And I, I call them my ex-girlfriends. <laughs> and, um, and then my wife and I, we've never actually seen the X-Files together because, you know, it was done by the time we got married. And right. Uh, she wasn't interested in going back and watching legacy television. And, uh, but now we are impending release of the miniseries uh, kind of wrapping up the X-Files. And I am very much looking forward to finally having an ex-wife. <laughs> that's funny that's really funny you're gonna have an ex-wife that's good i wish i so, could fit that into a tweet that would have been a tweet but i had to it, save it, it for you no totally you you should try to but still find a way to tweet it um i should note my wife did not think that was funny <laughs> it's like that's really funny no it's really that that's, that's a clever pun <laughs> but what's gonna happen if she doesn't like the x-files eh, it, it won't affect us either way Okay, well, that's good. That's good. So she won't actually be an ex-wife. She'll just be an ex-wife. Right. I have I have no um, expectations wrapped up in the viewing. I'm excited to share it with her, but I also fully know that because she was never an X-Files fan, I'm going to spend a lot of time annoyingly explaining backstory on everything right. that happens. And she's going to be like, dude... Can you? Can we just watch? Yeah. Um, I, I started trying to explain the improbability of Mulder and Scully's child that happened in the movies kind of retroactively. Right. And she went nuts right away. She's like tuned out. It's oh, going to be totally. interesting. So I never saw the second movie, which I heard was actually better than the first movie, which wouldn't be hard. But <laughs> um. I mean, I never cared for any of the movies. I felt like it was better in a TV format. Agreed. But it was weird that they did the second movie after the show was like already done. It was like just a weird thing the way they did that. And then it was a totally predictable money grab. Well, of course it was, but it was just (laughs) what it was weird about is that he leaves the show, you know, in a huff. And then we later find out, you know, he's got a little sex addiction. Go, David. (laughs) It's your birthday. Wait, wasn't Uh, that Californication? Yeah, but that's based on his real life, kind of. It turns out he's a real sex addict, too. Mm. Like, seriously, she's a lesbian and he's a sex addict. Like, their personal lives are frankly more more um, interesting to me than, like, Mulder and Scully. Sure. Uh, well, you tie so in, you like, know. Red Shoe Diaries and California. Yes. Oh, my God. And... Yeah, totally. Yes. There was one Not... he did with um, uh, Moore. Uh, yes. What was that? Oh, God. What was that? That was okay. It was actually really good. I liked it a lot. Yeah, uh, this is going to bother me. Uh, it, was, it was a drama I could appreciate at the time. Yeah, uh, Evolution. Yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, about the college professors. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, they've been in a number of movies together, but yeah, that was that was called Evolution. That was uh, directed by Ivan Reitman. She was kind uh, of his Scully replacement, I guess. Yeah, basically. So anyway, so yeah, so no, but but, but Californication apparently was very close to his real life because he did end up checking into rehab like more than once for sex addiction, and and his now ex-wife, I guess, like Tay Leone, was like, bye, because um, she was like, I'm not doing this. Well, sure. But yeah, but Red Shoe Diaries, great stuff. <laughs> um, God, like technically that was like, my first pornography. Mine too. I was like my intro to like to, to porn and 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 well dry humping. Let's be real. Um, there was there's like boobs, but like when no the J.C. Penney's catalog is your penthouse, <laughs> Red Shoe Diaries is porn. I'm talking, you know, twelve year old yeah. kid. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I that was like my age too, and I'm pretty sure that that was like my first like scene. <laughs> Like sort of soft core, you know, dry humping, whatever stuff. I do remember being really weirded out when I saw the episode with uh, Matt LeBlanc 
And I was like, Joey, <laughs> what? Are you serious? Um, and, and then I remember what I figured out that like Duchovny was the same guy and like telling my my cousin who was a huge X-Files fan. I'm like, so he's on this Showtime show <laughs> called Red Shoe Diaries where they solve sex crimes or sex mysteries. And she's like, what? I'm like, yeah. Um, kind of awesome that he was able to do both simultaneously. Definitely. Or that like they didn't care. You know what I mean? That they were just like, yeah, cool. He doesn't have a wide, wide range of character ability, but I love everything he plays. No, he's kind of the best. He's kind of the best. Um, and, uh, it's funny too, because I'm like looking at his Wikipedia page and like, they do not like prominently feature the Red Shoe Diaries part, which is a shame because I think that was some of his best work. I'd be willing to bet his resume does not prominently feature it either. Well, Red Shoe Diaries was only 10 episodes. I thought like there was like so many more than that. Oh, well. <laughs> oh, and have you watched Rocket Jump? This is uh, that was a jump, literally. Yeah. No, I haven't seen Rocket Jump. It is. Um, it's the YouTube guys who do some really cool shorts and they started a Hulu series where they um, produce a short movie every episode. Oh, cool. That's so you get cool to see, concept. yeah, so like two thirds of the show is the backstory and the production and all of the uh, decisions that have to be made. It's a good behind the scenes look at directing and production on a small set. And then, uh, and then the last third is they show you the product and some of them are better than others, but the, the getting their process story is really fun. I'm really enjoying that. No, what's really interesting about this to me, and, and maybe this will change because there wasn't the, the, the YouTube read beforehand, but like this to me seems like this would be the perfect like YouTube show. Oh, absolutely. You know what I mean? Like the fact that it's on Hulu makes sense because like Hulu, whatever. But like I think that just kind of speaks to you and now I'm getting into a topic we don't get into on this show that much, but kind of like Christina's analysis of how the world is working. Um, That's, I, but, I'm happy to talk about that because it's but, very interesting, especially in media. Yeah, well, that's the thing is I wonder, I'm like, hmm, are you actually like, okay, so like my whole thing is like I'm kind of calling bullshit on a lot of like YouTube's attempts to do um, their own original content because I don't know if it's going to work because I don't know if like like at least on a professional level, like I feel like it works for the, well, it works for YouTube. The, the right. people who actually make money on YouTube don't really make money on YouTube. Yes. They make money doing sponsorships and other things and yes. kind of pouring themselves out. And kind of like there's podcasters. That, Kind of. Actually, not that dissimilar. The difference is, is that there's a whole lot less overhead for podcasting, right. I feel like. Like, there's obviously, not, not to say there's not a lot of work that goes into it, but there's a huge difference, for instance, of, of the production that goes into a show like what we do and, and, like, serial, right? Like, they're doing real reporting and real editing and all kinds of, like, real, like, long-form stuff. Frankly, that's kind of why they deserve to be ranking in the, the, the bucks. You and I have a quip document and two microphones and, you know, we talk. Have you listened um, to Lore? I just have to inject that. I have not. Uh, Aaron Monkey's podcast that it, it's been like top ten on iTunes for quite a while now. It's, yeah, I've uh, seen it, but I have fantastic. Okay, I, I I will give it a listen. But um, but anyway, I think that what's interesting is you know YouTube's now trying to get into this original content space, and so they hired uh, Susan uh, 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 Daniels who. Uh, uh, used to work at MT- she used to run MTV and before that she was at the WB and, and Lifetime and places like that and and really trying to say like okay we're gonna get original content and we're gonna convince people to pay this money not to get rid of ads but for original content 
yeah, no, anybody who pays for YouTube Red does a ticket rid of ads. That's why yeah. I pay for it. Uh, that and I got grandfathered into a really good rate, and I don't want to give my grandfathered rates, so I'm like, whatever. Um, but um, I wonder, like, you know, Hulu has been killing it lately, in my opinion, with some of their originals. Like, they finally it took them a while. Like, they had some really bad stuff, and but they've finally been like coming around. Difficult People, Mindy Project. Yeah, they they've been some doing some other things. Netflix they, and Hulu both. Yeah, well, Netflix has been kind of a giving because they've been yeah. investing big money in it, right? But it, it seems like this show you're talking about actually sounds like really good. Like I'd like to watch it. And so it's interesting that like Hulu is getting these sorts of hits. And I'm wondering, I'm like, you know, how long is YouTube's window even going to be open? Because a lot of their prime creators who are having the ability to go from makeup tutorial or, you know, a little quick one-off, you know, talk to the camera, make it look like it wasn't taking all day to write this even though it did, make it look like it didn't have a writer's room even though it did, like into, you know, something more professional. And I wonder, because and, and the, the truth of the matter is, and this is what I think YouTube's going to suffer for, they have an endless supply of, of, con, of, of you know, creators but a very, very finite supply of, like, good creators. Yeah. And so – and they don't necessarily do anything themselves to um, breed the talent the same way that a Netflix or, or a Hulu or an HBO does for whatever reason. Um, I think probably because it isn't in their financial interest right now to really make people who have talent, like, raise them up. Um, they, they probably see that as being like, oh, actually, that could be, like, a bad thing. Like, that could <laughs> – like get you out of our farming system faster than we're ready to. But I do wonder, like when you're talking about like this show, like how, what's it called again? Rocket jump. Rocket jump. Okay. So like rocket jump to me though, seems like if like, if I were a YouTube, like I would have done anything to keep my YouTubers on YouTube doing this sort of show, because that would be the sort of thing that I could actually see the YouTube audience liking and it actually working. Well, versus- and the, uh, the impression you get from them is that, the show on Hulu was their graduation from YouTube. Like YouTube is a good seeding ground. But. Of course. Well, because that's the whole problem. And I've talked about this with a bunch of YouTubers is like, what is your end goal? And the irony is, is that as much as most of them talk about how they don't need television and they don't need mainstream <laughs> and they don't need anything else, their goal, their long-term goal for all of them is to get a freaking network TV show. Sure. Like that is what they all want. And it's, it's so funny, um, you know, how much like this generation and, and that includes like us, like, Um, And podcasters are this way, too. You know, it's like, oh, well, you know, I'd really like to be on radio. Well, we can't say fuck radio all the time. And radio is bullshit. And talk radio is this and that. And then be like, oh, but if I had a chance to be on Sirius, like, and I'm not going to lie. If I had a chance to be on Sirius, I'd take that chance, too. Like, fuck. But like, (laughs) but I'm not I'm not fronting and pretending like I'm above it. See, the 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 thing is, those lines are blurring. The the line between radio and serious the line between hulu and television the idea of streaming as a different beast than yes. network television that is it is it's kind of giving people a, a new jump zone without you know we don't have to have prime time on nbc well no to yeah, get a well, hulu contract oh well frankly a hulu contract might be better than prime time on nbc <laughs> i mean well look let's be real the the unbreakable kimmy schmidt is a netflix show it's huge on netflix i don't know I mean, I think that NBC was stupid to pass on it and give it to Netflix, but at the same time, maybe they were smart. Maybe they realized, actually, not that many people tune into NBC. We can make more money off of it if it's on Netflix and it's getting more viewers that way. You know, we can find find a way to amortize it, do other things. Yeah. Um, but uh, by, by, by selling these shows to Netflix, who will pay us more for them, and then we don't have to worry about the ads. But what I guess I mean, 
taking like Hulu and Netflix out of it a little bit because I feel like they're a little bit upper echelon kind of like Sirius is. I feel like YouTube, that's the irony is that they're now trying to do that. They're trying to be both like lowbrow and highbrow at the same time. And it's like, I don't know. I just, I look at Rocket Jump and yeah, obviously they see it as like their graduation. But at the same time, if I were YouTube as a company, I would want to do everything I could to keep those people in my system to be like, oh, actually you can graduate to Hulu, I mean to YouTube Red. Well, yeah, and and branding is going to be essential. If YouTube is going to pull that off, it requires a rebranding, and you can't just say this isn't your father's Oldsmobile. You right. you need to create something new, and it would almost be prudent to not have YouTube in the name of the new network. I mean, Vivo yeah. or not Vivo, Vimeo has mm-hmm. a higher brow reputation, yes. uh, while it's not as large scale. Oh, it's not as large scale. Well, that's the problem. It's 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 much higher reputation, and artists use it, and, and directors. Right, and, and but YouTube could, you know, covertly almost oh, they create totally, a new they brand. Create, they they could you know call it like you know YouTube Black. They already call it YouTube Red, which but like leave the YouTube out. Too. Just call it Black. No, that might be like two B E T. Yeah, and, and also it might be just like. <laughs> I, th- I mean, I, I get, I get the the fear there because the biggest thing YouTube has going for it is the fact that everybody knows what it is. Yeah. Well, yeah. No, it's it's very difficult from a branding perspective to let go, but when you want to create a new impression from the ground up, oh, totally, it's really hard to do that. I've been with companies that have like the first uh, first art director position I had was for a, uh, a sweater company that made eight hundred dollar sweaters, like. They supplied Bill Cosby with sweaters, which <laughs> if you remember the sweaters Cosby wore and then combine that with what happened later. It's, I was going to say, I was going to say, <laughs> was he wearing them when he raped those women? I, I couldn't tell you that. I wasn't there, um, which is good. Otherwise, I'd be called as a witness and that would just get weird. Um, but, yeah, uh, I know. Like his wife is going to be forced to testify, which I think is kind of awesome. <laughs> but we, we, I was tasked with revamping their image to because they were starting to design hipper you know uh solid sweaters that were still selling at a very high price point but they did not want to be associated anymore with the spastic uh designs of the 80s and it became impossible like they wouldn't let me change the name i just had to add collections after the original branding it it took years and i eventually i i left and it was not it was it was an Oldsmobile situation. Like Oldsmobile's image can never can never really change. Too much history, too much branding behind the original. Totally. So we started talking about movies. Yeah. I uh, for New Year's we watched uh, Fury Road again, and uh, Mad Max Fury Road. Yeah, and, so good. Uh, I, this time we invited my brother-in-law, and he is not only a really nice, great guy. He's also uh, he, he builds cars and he's very mechanically inclined, a gearhead and, uh, and watching it with him was, <laughs> made it twice as much fun because that the movie is, I, mean, I consider it one of uh, almost a perfect movie. Yeah. I thought it was really great. It was actually on my top 10 for the year. If I'm going to be honest. And it, oh, mine too. It's probably number one. And then inside out for me about, uh, I think I put inside out first, but, but I would definitely put Fury Road like in the top five. We'll call it a tie. Yeah. Um, but but the movie is it's about cars. It all takes place in cars. And seeing there's when you get the iTunes extras, I purchased the whole thing because um, it was on sale for ten bucks. And 
the iTunes extras have this whole 20-minute episode about the cars and building the cars and designing the cars. And you get into those details and your appreciation of the movie doubles, if not triples, once you realize that every piece of that car was actually working. There were no prop parts, no prop jet engines hanging off the car. If you saw two V8s connected to one drivetrain, it was two V8s running a car, and it was amazing. (laughs) Building custom hubs so they could put industrial tractor tires onto two Cadillacs that were welded together. That's so cool. (laughs) And this is all in the extra features? Yeah. That's so cool. And also in the movie. But seeing, I made him watch the extra before he saw the movie. Okay. Because I knew it would increase his appreciation of the movie. And he loved it, and I loved watching him love it. That's the best. I love that movie so much. Charlize Theron is such a fucking treasure. <laughs> I agree. Like, I is agree. she so good in car action movies? Like, is she and, an and, she and as the uh, the what, what do we say? Mentally challenged teacher, Mister F. <laughs> mentally retarded female. <laughs> she. <laughs> she's yes. an MRF. <laughs> she was amazing. We're no, talking about so uh, Arrested Development for anyone who's of not. Of course. Uh, yes, Arrested Development. Tracking with that one. Yep. And if you aren't, then what the hell is wrong with you? Go back to <laughs> book back a decade and, and think about what you've done with your life. <laughs> oh, and then there was Star Wars, which I finally saw. I, mm-hmm. I, I waited because I don't like crowded theaters. And I went and there were I went on like Tuesday afternoon. There were maybe 20 people in the theater, but they were all middle-aged nerds like me (laughs) and they all laughed at the same times i laughed and they all got all the jokes and that that was a fun experience for me yeah i saw it um the 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 morning i guess technically the 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 day it came out the 18th friday like most people saw it like thursday night it was funny we actually had a holiday party and everybody at the holiday party is like why are you here why are you not at star wars i'm like i'm going tomorrow morning i'm going tomorrow morning so i'm (laughs) like i don't do opening night well i do usually but i don't when it's the holiday party and I could be getting drunk for free instead. So I got drunk for free and then was hung over as hell, but it was fine. Um, and it was, I, I really liked it. I, I thought it too. was really good. I, I mean, I, you know what? Hands up for JJ. JJ Abrams knows how to make a freaking, he knows how to do a good reboot. Now the big test is going to be, you know, I don't think the second Star Trek was as good because he wasn't as involved because he was involved with Star Wars. So I'm hoping he'll stay involved with Star Wars, you know, and doesn't like, I don't think he will. Else. I think he has stated that it's this one and he's out. That's but, but he did. He walked the line between keeping nerds from getting angry. Yep. And making a movie that kids can grow up with and yes. and talk about for another twenty so years. So important, which was so important, and that's the thing. Like I was kind of getting into this debate with uh, somebody uh, with a uh, with with Doctor Pizza on on Twitter, and like he doesn't, he you know. Um, he was a sort of defending the prequels a little bit, which anytime anybody does that, I'm, that's, I'm yeah, just that's immediately a point against you right there. <laughs> Are you kidding? He's like, plenty of kids grew up on the prequels and loved them. No, well, that's just no. because they had nothing better to do and they don't have fully developed brains yet. They, they, they might have watched them a number of times, but they didn't love them the same way, and they were just probably like, "Oh, Star Wars." Oh, what's right. That it again? was just like, another. It was a Pixar movie for them. Exactly. Well, except not good. <laughs> right. Like a Pixar movie is at least good. Like it's not like right. that though, because like Toy that Story. Is true. Like Toy Story, they're like love, right? Yes. Like, Toy Story will be. It will have the same nostalgic yeah. recall. All so, of it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, the fact that's why they're. I'm excited they're doing a four. I thought three ended perfectly, and then I was like. <laughs> 
you know what? I'm ready for more. Bring the toys back, man. Bring them back. And then when Rashida Jones and her writing partner were announced as the writers, I was like, I'm down. I'm down. <laughs> um, because she's perfect, and I will watch anything she's involved with. But, like, I was um, – yeah, I thought that, that he got, got the balance like completely right because you're right. He, he pleased the nerds, which is important to do. And that's one thing George Lucas, who's all butthurt in his white slavery um, <laughs> interview. But I'm like, dude, you got $4 billion. Are yeah. you really going to say this? Are you, are, are you really saying this right now? Like, are you serious? So I think he's butthurt because J.J. achieved what he couldn't. And maybe what is what this word you're saying? Butthurt? Butthurt. Butthurt. Oh, but, like he got, he got he was penetrated? Yes, yes, I got it. Okay. felt anally probed, um, and, and 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 expressed as much on Charlie Rose. Did you see that interview or see the clips from the interview? I did not. So Lucas went on Charlie Rose and basically doesn't like the new Star Wars. He doesn't like that they didn't take his ideas. He doesn't like that that it's not his baby anymore. He described it as like a you know a, a breakup or a relationship ending. And it's like, and look, I get it. I can't even imagine what it would be like if you gave birth to something and like were part of something for almost forty years. Yeah, and, and that would offend it. me more if he hadn't screwed up the originals and then worked on prequels. Yes. Well, they had to they had to fix the mess that he made. Right. He he so broke I, it. He did. I mean, <laughs> of course, he's butt hurt about of, it. Of course, he broke it, and then they fixed it. And once, and like one guy, like Kathleen Kennedy, like they were able to, like they were able to fix it. And they had to go all Disney on its ass. They had to. And but th- that's what Disney does. This is why I can't hate the machine because, like, the machine sometimes turns out some pretty decent product. You know, it's yeah. not like. I was I was totally on board with all the people who were like, well, why isn't this on any critics' top ten list? I'm like, I'm not going to go that far. But I had a really good time with the movie, and Ray is an amazing character. Yes. And this is the first Star Wars film where literally everybody in the movie could act. The um, what's her name? The actress. Uh, Ray- uh she's a Daisy. Uh, Daisy something. It was it was a cute first name and a hardcore last name. Uh, Riley Daisy Riley. Daisy Riley, yeah. She- Daisy Ridley. Ridley, yes, even better. Getting yeah. all alien on it. So, so, so alien. <laughs> um, but yeah, her character was, in my opinion, an even stronger female than uh, Furiosa. Wow, that's. I kind of can buy that. I can kind of agree with that. I think like she, of- she never needed help. She was, no. uh, she was a team player. She was. They were both- like beyond one of the boys. She had more to offer. Oh, she totally did. That's why Han chose her. Yeah. That's why he, like, didn't even bother with Finn. Like, he's like, whatever. <laughs> like, Finn, you're just there. Whatever, man. But, like, she's, like, impressed. Like, he asked, like, she gave, like, he gave her the Millennium Falcon. Like, it's, yeah. it, you know, like, no, she was a great character. And, and I think that both of those characters are interesting because I think they were both originally written for men. And then they just made them female, which makes the whole thing make, you know, like, it It bypasses awesome. some of the uh, the tendencies one would have writing a female character. Right. Although, like, the thing that often frustrates the thing that often frustrates me when people praise a, a strong female character is that they just made her a male character, yes, whereas I agree. a more matriarchal, a strong uh, like matriarch character is not a male character. She's not one of the boys. She she shows the world what women can do better. Right. I I. I really, I wish our entire society would just go back to uh, a matriarchy. It makes so much more sense to me. I mean, I, I like guys. Guys are great. You know, we, we, we're really good at working and beating each other up. But when it comes to, like, the the political decision-making, 
I honestly, I'm, I prefer a feminine touch there. So, I'm going to get uh, myself in trouble. All my friends so are So Hillary's 2016? I don't like Hillary, but I do think but, I mean, she does fit that qualification. She does. And not only that, but like, look, let's be real. Bernie's great, but Bernie has no shot. Yeah, I agree. I agree. I, I, mean, I will, so if it's I will Hillary support or anybody, Bernie. If it's Hillary or anybody on the Republican Party, like this is what I keep trying to tell my liberal friends who are like blanching at Hillary. I'm like... Just come together, guys. Like, right, but really, then it comes like, back to, it's always, my entire life, voting has been the lesser of two evils. Yes, but that's kind of like, that's, I Although, think it's always I'll, been I, that way. Although, I was very excited to vote for Obama. I, I, was, I was too, he the didn't, first He time. felt like someone I was actually inspired by. And and there were a couple years there where I was like, eh, maybe not as much as I thought, but now... Well, now that he doesn't have to give a fuck anymore, <laughs> right. he's he can he can do stuff like he promised. I, I don't know. My whole thing with Obama, Obama <laughs> and I guess the reason why I'm like happy about Hillary is that I felt like Obama was kind of a pussy a little bit. I felt like he was kind of like trying to like be too nice about certain things. Not that he's a pussy, but that he kind of was like he 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 became look, part of the political machine pretty quickly. He was like, look, look, let's try to work this out. Let, let, let's try to compromise. And it's like, well, bitch, but that's no. the thing with Hillary is she's already well versed in compromise. She, she, she knows, knows how to play how the do game it. exactly. And she I don't just, love that about. Well, what I love about that about her is might mean shit actually gets done because there have been a lot of years in Obama's presidency where shit just didn't get done because yes. he was like being black, block, blocked, blocked. <laughs> he he was blocked because of his being Obama ness from getting anything done, and then he would compromise and they wouldn't. And I felt like maybe like a more seasoned political person would know actually they're not going to come around anyway. Fuck them, move on, like work on something else, get yeah. and run this around a different way. Yeah. Anyway, and this concludes the politics portion of our show. Yeah, that was short and sweet. Yeah. Okay, we're done with politics. We're done with politics. Um, w- let's talk about 2016. Okay. What What is your? I don't want to hear New Year's resolutions. I want to hear what you're what you're most excited about for the next year. I don't know. I'm not really, really that excited about anything. I mean, The Bachelor's coming back tomorrow, which is really great. But uh, you just made me sad. I don't know. I have like oh, I have things that I'm excited about. I don't really want to talk about them publicly, though. Yeah, no, I know how that is. What about you? Well, I'm very excited to get a beta out of the software that everyone keeps bugging me about the NVL update. Yes. But I also have I have a, a, a huge updates from Mark, and I have a teleprompter app I wrote. Yes. Uh, tell me about this because I could use this in my real life. Well, it, it kind of functions the way Mark does where you edit in you edit a markdown file in any software or even just plain text. And then it reads it and turns it into a a teleprompter where you can, you know, hit return to start and stop and then you can use left and right arrows to speed up and slow down, change font size, things like that, and it renders any markdown in the file. And that's basically it. I don't want to make it complicated. I want to sell it cheap because there are way too many very expensive teleprompters and like they add mirroring for people that are, you know, working yep. on sets, but I, I don't need that. I just need something that scrolls text and it's always bugged me that it seems like so much work to get that to happen. So, so I worked on that and I'm, uh, that's actually almost done, but I had to put it on hold so I could finish NB alt and, uh, make an iOS companion for it eventually. But, how uh, how long has the NB Alt um, update been in the works? Oh, <laughs> over a year. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. Yeah, this is going to be like it's. There there yeah. have been a lot of setbacks 
uh, in the personal lives of the developers, especially mine. And, uh, and I have to step up hardcore now because David Halter has some life-changing experiences on the horizon. And uh, so I need to be in a position in the next couple weeks to take on full development of it. But it's going to happen. I, my goal is beta very, very soon. Like this month for sure. Um, but yeah, there's, I don't know. And personally, like I, I've been in physical therapy for my back because my core strength got so low that I can hurt myself just picking up firewood. And so I've been working my way back to a point where I can actually work my way back to good health. And so I'm very much looking forward to getting, I don't need to be skinny or ripped I just need to be able to function as a human being without being in pain after 10 minutes of doing anything. So I'm, I'm excited about getting to that point. Um, but yeah, I, overall I see 2016 as, uh, 2015 and 2014. Everything since 2007 has pretty much been the same year for me and I'm okay with that. I would like to make more money. doesn't matter. I'll get there. Yeah. It'll be a good year, just like every year. <laughs> no specific expectations. <laughs> I do hope that they stop calling things that aren't hoverboards hoverboards. It's not going to happen. It, well, they've, it's ruined, a they've ruined the term. And, and now well, that Amazon's have. banning them and everything. Well, yeah, it's, because they're terrible. They are. And I think that someone will eventually reclaim the term hoverboard when they actually have a Ho- hoverboard. When they actually hover. But like that's such a... Our challenge, like that's such oh, like yeah. a real. It may and, never like, happen. That's... No, that's the thing. It's it's like to do that to have like a self. Like my God, but no. But these hoverboard things, swagways, whatever. We've got them all over our office, and I have all the like, demo models. Oh yeah, with and fire then, extinguishers and, nearby. Well, actually, funny story. We had the the intern buy one in Chinatown for like three hundred bucks, and then we took it apart to look at how crappily it was made. And then what we found out, which was exactly what we expected, the battery looked suspect, uh, which is, of course, the problem. But the rest of it basically looked the same as the Swagway, which is, like, the cheap but supposed to be safe version. And then mm-hmm. there's, like, the the IOHawk, which is, like, the expensive, like, this is actually okay version. But, like, nobody wants to buy the IOHawk. They all want just the cheap-ass ones. And those are the ones that, you know, you're, like, standing on a motor in a lithium-ion battery. What could go wrong? Right, Exactly. What could go wrong? I came up with a variation that I think will market well. What's that? Um, if you attach a blow-up dowel to one of these hoverboards, you can actually create a sexway. Nice. I, I feel like there are practical applications for this, although I can't, I can't think of them. And if I could, I probably couldn't say them out loud. No, so there definitely are some. So that's interesting. I feel like the demo video would go over well, though. I do. I do think the demo video would go over well. Okay, I'm, I'm going to say something, and this this might be, be a little graphic for a podcast. I'm not sure. But what if you put the doll not on her feet? See what I'm saying? Like, what if you put the arms? Like, yeah. what if you put her well, on her head? Kinda, that's kind of what I see in my head. Right? Because that, that way you would be able to have a, a more movie. approachable position, a perhaps. More, that's exactly what I'm thinking. That's exactly <laughs> what I'm thinking. Um, and then you call it the, 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 the 69 way. Um <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to figure out how the the uh, the male version of this would work, but oh yeah, it's, no, we, it's we, more we, complicated. 
we 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 don't we don't get our phone versions. Like even our like look, we, we even our real dolls, like the the, the the real dolls for dudes are really for gay dudes. Like the the, the male the, the male real dolls are just for gay dudes. Like as a woman, I've just accepted that that, that sex dolls and and most sex toys in general, vibrators notwithstanding, are just not for us. I've watched the documentaries on on how they make those real dolls, and like my my takeaway was not anything with a sex. I was like, ooh, it'd be fun to dress them up and like have them like real black Barbie dolls. Just you like want around a Ken doll? <laughs> I do. I want you a, a life size Ken doll, anatomically life- correct. Yes, I want a Ken doll who has a penis. Um, because poor Ken. He was robbed. He was robbed, and then 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 they made it worse. They gave him underwear, like flesh covered <laughs> underwear, so like to like add insult to injury. It's like now you've got underwear on. Like it was just really sad. Yeah. Um, it always made me feel bad about him. Like he's constrained twice. You 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 didn't give him anything. You didn't give him a hump, and you and you gave him underwear. Like I wonder how many different weird sexual, like uh, uh like poor development issues that caused for young boys and girls. Um, how many fetishists resulted? Yeah. From uh, oh yeah. Probably a lot of underwear fetishists or, or, or other stuff. Yeah, probably. <laughs> I don't know. It was always weird though, because like when you're trying to make your Barbie dolls have sex as a kid, like they're not the most flexible when it comes to like the, the, the leg area, like the no, legs. You've got like three positions really. That- right. Like, 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 like you could scissor, I guess, two dolls together. Like, I guess lesbians. Yes, I, 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 you can. I, I can you attest totally to that. scissor two, two, two Barbie dolls together. And that actually, I think a lot of girls did scissor their Barbie dolls together, not even realizing what they're doing. Um, <laughs> because we hadn't seen blue as the warmest color yet. And we were like, oh, that's what that is. Okay. So, so 30 years ago, you know, when, when, uh, well, 25 years ago when, when I was making my Barbie dolls have sex. Um, it was always one of those things where, like, the fact that, like, you know, yeah, you had, like, limited, like, your the legs didn't open very wide. So it was just a lot of missionary or, I guess, in, I guess like, you know, uh, doggy style. Like, that was basically... Uh, the only- downward dog kind of... Downward dog. Yeah, exactly. It was always difficult. Because you didn't have knees, you know? Was- we had knees, but the knees didn't work that well and they couldn't <laughs> open up very wide. So it was one of those weird things where, like, Barbie could get on her knees, but then what? She's got, like... He's an underwear, you know, but, but, and, and yeah, you know, I, I don't know. I, um, I was one of those weird kids who had a lot of Ken dolls. Like I had almost a, a Ken for every Barbie cause my mom liked me to have pairs. I don't know. And so everybody used to like to come over to my house to, to play sex Barbies because I had lots of like, you know, cause usually what would happen is that if you didn't have a lot of Ken dolls, like Ken is just like a stud and he's like literally having to like bang like every bitch like on, you know, Barbie land and then and then what happens is you get bored with it and you're like okay well you know Barbie and Mitch are now going to get it on or Barbie and Christy are now going to get it on and like that's fine but like if you've got a lot of like action then you can like have all kinds of permutations See, and I, I was a very open-minded child and my uh my Ken did explore Mitch for a while yeah mine did too my, it was an my, experimental I, phase well the thing is is that that I used to have like real life. So like, I'm not even bullshitting. I used to have like full blown soap operas with my Barbie dolls where they were like involved in love triangles and quadrangles and all kinds of stuff. And there were like three ways and four ways and six ways. And like, cause the truth of the matter is, and I've said this before on podcasts and people always like look at me or I've said this in life and people always give me this weird look. And, and if they're a girl, it's a look of you're right, but I don't want to admit it. If you're a guy, it's like, was this really the truth? And I'm like, yeah, it was. But but like literally after the age of like nine years old, the only thing the girls do with the Barbie dolls, the only thing they do is make them have sex. Like that's all it is. Like it's literally just like 
you know, sex exploration time. That's all it is. And and I think that for that reason, that's why I like kind of get mad when people like hate on Barbie and like are talking about how terrible she is. And, and I'm like, Barbie helped my sexuality a lot as a child. And probably a lot of people's sexualities have been like, you know, like framed by being able to at least have these dolls they could do things with, which right. is... I mean, body image aside... Sure. Sexuality, but I, for sure. Like, you like start you to explore have... all these things you've learned about from your friends and then later in textbooks. Exactly. And then you're like, oh, okay, you know, I feel like you feel more comfortable with those things, you know? It's like, and, and then especially when they have cute clothes and, and can get into <laughs> to, to bitch fights over, you know, cars and stuff. That's always the interesting thing, too, is the size of the car would kind of depend on could they have sex in the backseat or not. And, like, usually the, the answer was no, sadly. I realized that it, after I got married, I bought a, a car that had no back seat and very awkward uh, uh, pilot chairs in the front. And I could not have any kind of even I can't even make out in my car. And I'm wondering if I made that decision subconsciously because I'm married now. If I'm going to get a nice car that one could use to pick up girls or boys right. and did I like hobble myself out of like some sense of duty? I don't know. I don't know. Also, I think you're married. It's like we live together. Like, oh, my wife does not like riding in my car, so that's not even really a concern. I was going to say, I mean, like, there's not. I don't know. I haven't done the whole make out in the back of the car thing. Since See, I but I've gone to get gas and stepped inside the gas station and had the ca- the cashier girl ask for a ride. Like that, <laughs> that has happened. Wow. Especially when I am driving with the top down. And yeah, so so the the potential, the the attraction is there. It's just, even if I wanted to cheat, it's not uh, functionally practical. No, totally. It's just, and I, which I think is probably a good thing, but also I'm just trying to think like at our age, like, and even if I go back like more than 10 years, like I can't remember the last time when it would be acceptable to get it on in the back of a car. Yeah, that's really like... It's Middle such a school, high school, high school thing. only. Yeah, exactly. It's such a high school thing. Like, yeah, I suppose like really high school when you have your own car and yeah, it's weird to make car, out in the back of mom's car. Exactly. Yeah. No, so you have your own car. <laughs> you find a way. You, you find like an abandoned Toys R Us parking lot um, and, and you park quietly and you get in the back and, and you feel each other up and dry hump. Your yeah. lover's lane was a Toys R Us. Does this go back to the Barbie thing? <laughs> it does not, but it was so, <laughs> so what happened was there was an old Toys R Us and then they got like a new bigger one, but the old Toys R Us, cause it was a, still a pretty big store, like didn't sell out for a long time. So it was like this abandoned parking lot. It wasn't that far from my house. So that was my lover's lane. That's amazing. We actually had like a, there's a place in our, our city where I'm back in the city now where I went to high school and there's a place here called Garvin Heights and it's like the area here is the whole thing is hills and valleys and Garvin Heights is on one of the highest bluffs and it's a lookout that was built there and you can stand there you can see all the way to like Wisconsin into their valleys and um, it's beautiful you see the whole town and that parking lot at that lookout became uh, Lover's Lane. Like you could go there on a Friday night and there'd be like six cars parked and you couldn't see the windows because they're all steamed up. And no one ever took a leap off of it. Like it didn't become Lover's Leap. But we had the Lover's Lane. And if you took a date to go to Garvin Heights, check out the lookout, you knew what was happening. I feel like that's more of a small town thing, though. Yeah, I think so. I love small towns. 
Just a small for town so boy. Many re- I am. Like, I didn't realize. I always thought I wanted to get the hell out of small towns. And I moved and I went through several metropolitan phases. Uh, and I ended up back in Winona and realized this was where I was happiest. I love it. Do you think it's because it's where you spent most of your life? Like, that's I just, don't it know. feels familiar? Like, see, like, for me, Minneapolis especially, uh, Brooklyn to some extent, like, they became familiar to me, but I never felt comfortable. Yeah. In a small town, you know, my town is big enough that I rarely see people I know when I go out of the house. But there's always a chance, and there are places I can go, just like, you know how in, uh, like, in Queens and Brooklyn, like, probably any borough, there, every like eight block area becomes a neighborhood and everyone knows each other in that neighborhood. That's like a connected small towns. Yeah. Like that kind of feeling I've only ever been able to reproduce for myself here much the way that in those like neighborhoods, you're pretty much, you're born there and you get to know people as you grow up and it becomes your small town. And, and I guess maybe it is just because these kind of towns are where I've always been. I don't know. I love the community. I love all the home brewers here. I love the fact that I can drive at any time of day and never get in a traffic jam. Always find parking. We have, you know, it's big enough that we have an art scene. We have a music scene. We have at least one really good bar. I, I enjoy it. It's fun. I do miss food, though. Yeah. Yeah, that's the nice thing about living in a big city is you don't really have... At least I don't anyway. Like, it's just nice. I'm just like, whatever. I can always eat whatever I want. Yeah, well, New York is amazing because you can just walk. You you jump on the train. You get off in any neighborhood you know you're not going to die in and walk a couple blocks. And you find a hole-in-the-wall restaurant you've never heard of. Usually have an amazing dinner, way cheaper than you would think. and, uh, and, And find something new every day. Yeah. I love that. And you get some favorites, but then when you are bored with your favorites, you have options. I don't. I don't. Yeah. I was going to say, I have so many options. I have Seamless. I have Delivery.com. I have Grubhub, which is owned <laughs> oh, by yes. Seamless. I have See, Postmates. I have Dor- Diner Dash, like DoorDash. Like- I haven't been in a big city since the era of, of you know, uh, food uh, services and apps and things. Oh, they're so great. It would be. It would, it would amplify the already amazing food scene. Because you see all of them in one thing and you're just like, boom, let me customize my order. Yes. And then then the great thing, too, is that the one thing I kind of miss about the suburbs are like my fast food restaurants, which, you know, this is where you and I are very different people. But (laughs) because of of, of Postmates, like I can find like the KFC that's a mile away and like Postmate having someone bring me fried chicken on New Year's Day, which is what Grant and I did on New Year's Day. Our New Year's Day dinner was KFC. Yeah, I, I, I... I no response, but I will I, ask you, did you ever see the movie um, Cowspiracy? Uh, no. It's a horribly made documentary, and um, I I was disappointed. The The guy who made it tried to be like Roger Moore, but was not. Michael. It was all conference. Yeah, I'm sorry. <laughs> yeah. He was not James Bond, and he was not Michael Moore even. Um, he... Uh, Roger and me, Michael. Okay, so I understand how that happened, but um, but it was very like he he confronted people, like he would go in with a preset notion and then uh, film the confrontation more than he actually filmed facts. But the facts that he did divulge 
were it was about the agriculture industry and how it's actually way worse than carbon uh emitting yeah uh, the the stuff that the government is currently you know trying to right. fix the agriculture industry has a bigger lobby and causes more problems. Of course and it does. The upshot yeah. of the movie was that we all have to go vegan if we're going to save the world. And if it God. had been a better documentary, I might have seriously considered, I mean, in light of those facts, I might have seriously considered veganism. But I was so upset by the poor documentary film making that I went out and bought bacon. Granted, locally raised... <laughs> Right. free range bacon but uh, i mean the the point of the movie was even that doesn't make a difference no and well it's interesting too is when you talk about that like not talking about it from like an ecological standpoint but you look at like chipotle right which has been like the bastion mm-hmm. of like high quality like fast food and then they have the e-coli breakout right and it's like all of a sudden this locally sourced like using these these good supplier stuff it's funny um bloomberg actually had a really good article about how they're having to respond to the outbreak and, and um, uh, Bloomberg Business Week this week. And it's really interesting because um, what they're having to do to combat like this E. coli problem, because the problem is they don't know where it came from. They know right. that like for certain, because for it to take place in, in multiple cities, it probably had to come from one of their big suppliers, but they have like 34 ingredients. And, like they don't know which one it is. And like not everybody reports stuff and like it's a problem. But the issue is, is that the reason that these outbreaks usually don't happen at other places is for instance, the tomatoes, which Chipotle used to brag about the fact that like they were like diced like at the like at your store, right. like, they were like diced by hand. Well, okay, that leaves a lot more opportunity for contamination. So instead, mm-hmm. they're now going to dice them at a commissary, which is basically <laughs> the same as like what McDonald's or or, yeah. or um, anybody else does, and then ship them diced to the restaurant. So like to, it it becomes this really interesting challenge where like their whole MO has been that like they're better because they're more like a small business and, and locally sourced and all this stuff. But then it's like, so you don't get sick, they've got to become more industrialized and act more like the machine that is McDonald's. Well, so, okay, this this does actually lead into a very interesting point. Do you know where white bread came from? No, I don't. There was a point in our history where all bread was handmade at bakeries from natural ingredients and uh, as things like disease and uh, contamination became more of a concern, the new gold standard became shiny white factory-produced bread. That was the solution to all of the problems caused by artisan bread. And for years, white bread was the standard. You know, that was that was what was healthy because it was made in a factory by machines. That was what the public wanted. And at, recently, as you know, we've seen this huge backlash and this drift toward, I want everything made in a local bakery from local ingredients and gluten, blah, blah, blah. And that now we're getting back to the problems that instigated white bread to begin with. The idea of this backlash against the industry, and it's a justified backlash. Like, the industry is causing massive problems, but we have to expect that when we move away from this industry that we built, we demanded this kind of uh, homogenized, pure product line, and now to try to move away from that, we're going to go back to the old issues, and it is... 
I don't know. It's just weird to me to think that we started here. And then we, we left it behind for valid reasons. And now yep. we're coming back to it and forgetting about the valid reasons we had for leaving it behind to begin with. Exactly. Exactly. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it's it's interesting how this all happens and, like, the kind of the push and pull of all this stuff. Because there's also the thing that's, like, even if that documentary's point was right, that the only way for the Earth to be saved is for us all to be vegans. It's like, how the, how the hell does that scale? It actually doesn't. Well, to me, like... I don't know. I have come to prefer making all my own food, finding my own ingredients, selecting great. them by hand and making and that's, my own. That's, and that's, the, that's the sustainability, though. Everyone no, has to be willing to do that. Well, no, here's the problem, though. That's fine for you as a well-off white male who lives in the United States of America, who has resources to do these things, has the money to buy these foods, who can care about where they come from and who has the time to put them together. Now, let's go to another country. Let's go to Africa. Let's go to South America. Let's, let's go even to go to inner city New York. Yes, exactly. Th those options are not there. They're not there at all. And the only reason why as many people have been able to be fed as possible is because of industrialization. It's because of GMOs. It's because Absolutely. of – of um, the fact that the process has gone from like one to – is because we've been able to speed up this process, is because of industrialization. And so I think that it's great for people to laud and say, oh, we should do this farm-to-table stuff and, and, and care about sustainability and this and that. And like that's it's awesome. A, it's a white person, a it rich is white, white person. person pastime. It is, a, it is a rich white person pastime and it doesn't scale and it doesn't get the you know three billion people on the other side of the world fed. It just however, doesn't. however, the, the amount of – grain and and produce that goes into the production of meat you're right and i'm does not, arguing not that. feed it feeds one percent less or one percent of what just distributing those grains could do and i'm not disagreeing with that although at the same time where are you going to necessarily like not all these countries are habitable for for certain things you know like you you that, that's right, kind but of this a, this mechanism that we built, this industrialized not, food machine, I, right? I'm not could saying do it. Is, I'm not saying that it's the solution. I'm just saying that you can't have either or. I feel like it's like you you we we forget sometimes when we go too far to the other end, where it's like, oh, we can just feed the whole world this way. It's like actually, no, you can't because not everybody can do what you do. Not everybody's going to be able to do soylent. You know, soylent's not a <laughs> is not a fucking solution. I stopped soylent Did just for the really? record. Yeah. Why? Because I started liking cooking. Right. I have no desire in the morning. I, I take time in the morning. I block out an hour to make a good breakfast and eat it slowly. I, I it was It's all about the stimulants. Ever since I cut my stimulants, I have had more tolerance for cooking and, and enjoying meals and whatnot. But again, it's still like the, the, the industry is there. It yeah. could be moved. It could be a lot better, yes. I just feel like a lot – I'm glad I didn't see this documentary, especially because <laughs> it was poorly done. But, like, it's interesting how oftentimes I look at things like that and you can almost be swayed by the argument and then you start thinking about it and you're like, okay, but there's a reason why this is happening, why we had to do this. Yes. Yeah. And that's kind of my point, yeah. Yeah, I agree. I don't that's know so where we are in our schedule now. Um, I think we're almost at the end. We had so much more to talk about. We'll have yeah, to do another show we'll someday. We'll have to do another show about it. Yeah, well, we'll talk about tech our next show. That sounds good. It was a it was an interesting year, especially for Apple. It was, and I and feel all like, of their competitors. Yes, and I feel like if we start on it now, like that's just this too much. We've already talked too long. I would like to inject. Yes. So I wrote this little app script thing called Slogger that yes, uh, yes. It pulls. your your social your social media logger. Yeah, exactly. Social logger. Um, 
<laughs> it was a name that was never supposed to stick, but it did. So Slogger, uh, it, it imports like Twitter, Facebook, uh, all of your uh, last FM stuff, etc. anything into day one journals. And day one is currently, there's a new beta that I can't talk about, but they've modified the file format. Mm-hmm. But it was so cool when I started talking to them to find out they had created a feature, an auto import folder where Slogger could still store the same format files it always had. Oh my God. And it would import them. And I so greatly appreciate that That's they so appreciate cool. Slogger to the extent that they would provide that for me. That's so great. So I use day one. I like I have it on my Mac and I don't use it as much as I should. Um, I use Moment on my yeah. iPhone. Yeah, Moments is good. Um, I, like I do. That. I use day one on both just because so much of my information is in day one and it's a good little ecosystem and it stores everything in XML files that are easy to parse instead of in a SQLite database. But yeah, I mean, there are, I think journaling has been on and off for me, extremely beneficial, but even as, you know, Slogger automates everything. So I'm basically journaling every time I tweet and that has been, uh, that has been consistent for me because I, I will always tweet. <laughs> it's a uh, neuroses, but uh, but yeah, they're journaling in general. Any of those journaling apps, I think everyone should have. There would path died kind of, didn't it? Yeah. But the idea of kind of automated life stories. That's what I like, which is what Slogger does. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, I'm not necessarily going to write a note about everything, but I would like to have a, a, a log of all my tweets and my check-ins and my other stuff. Like, that's well, and there nice. was a really good one. It was like a travel journal. So yes. every picture you take, you could add tags and captions to, but either yes. way it would create like the map. It was really and... pretty. It was like very skeuomorphic when that was a big deal. Yes. What was that? I forget the name of it. What that was called, but it was, it was cool. I'm sure yeah. it's dead now. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I never actually went on a vacation while I was infatuated with it, so I didn't get yeah. to really use it to its full extent. No, totally. Well, that was kind of one of the weird things. We did this uh, project uh, for Mashable called the 100 Greatest iPhone Apps of All Time, where we basically sat down and, and came up with a and ranked what we've deemed the 100 Greatest Apps. And some were higher on the list, maybe some of us would have wanted, some were lower, um, some you know apps made the cup, some didn't, but... It was really interesting kind of looking back, going through that process and seeing through like, you know, seven years at the app store, yeah. like how many things have died yeah. that were so big, like, like yep. tap that revenge, like it's kind of like that, YouTube fame. Totally. Well, <laughs> no, no, no doubt. But it was just weird. Like looking back through these, like both these like UI patterns that, that were really big and like looking through um, and UX patterns and looking through, you know, just like trends and just seeing apps and games and little things that like really made a big deal. And then there were, there were so many stories that we didn't even get to include. Like I wanted to include Trism because Trism to me was like, like the first perfect like puzzle game for the iPhone. Yeah. But like in the pantheon of everything that's happened, it just didn't make the cut, you know, like there, it was really interesting just kind of seeing like, it was really interesting, like just kind of as an experiment, like going through, like historically. Just well, and that's what's amazing that. about right now is, we, I mean, the same thing has happened throughout history. You could go through any technology we have ever developed since the industrial age and see that kind of progression. But the app store and even web development in the last 10 years compresses the rate of change so much that we can easily pick out and say, wow, see how this, you know, made a wave 
it died, but it affected this next trend that came up and everything informs the next thing after it. And like, it's all compressed into like five year periods that we can easily chart. And that's pretty cool. Yeah, I agree. All right. So we've hit the end, huh? We have hit the end. It was nice talking to you. It was great talking to you. This was a really good show. This was really fun. It's been a long time. It's been a long time. Um, and now that Aaliyah song is in my head, it's been a long time. <laughs> I should have left you. All right. Step two, step two, step two, step two. Well, we are currently still on our every other week schedule. Yes, we so we'll be back in two weeks. But in the meantime, uh, check out Overtired on Twitter at OVRTRD. Yes. And, uh, and please go say nice things on iTunes. If you please. listen this far in the show, you, you, you should. You should. Like, will help us. It'll just give us, like, motivation to continue doing it. Yeah. Yeah, hearing from you means everything to us. The other thing that means everything to us is sponsors, which I'm, I've put together new sponsorship packages. I have great ideas. I have not emailed anyone yet. But if you're interested in, in sponsoring this show and yes. reaching the audience of uh, weirdos Dozens. and... <laughs> Dozens and dozens of us. All the uh, the overtired weirdos. Uh, you can uh, you can contact uh, me or Christina through yep. uh, or just through the overtired account. And uh, on Twitter, uh, Christina is film underscore girl, and I am tt scoff. Is there anywhere else you want to link while we're doing this? Uh, yeah, no, I think my Twitter is good. My Twitter is good. You can search Christina Warren on Facebook. I've got like. I'm active there, but I'm not active there. So I'm like Christina.Warren. So yeah, I mean, Twitter is good. All right. And you can search TT Scoff anywhere or Brett Terpstra. Yeah, film underscore girl or film girl one word. If like if I'm not allowed to use an underscore is basically what I use, but it's usually film underscore girl. So yeah. Awesome. All right. And All right. Uh, that was episode 53, if I'm counting right. episode 53. Right. Wow. We've been at this for more than, well, it's actually been closer to two years, but... <laughs> Uh, we think they've gone. This is awesome. Well, happy 2016, Fred. You too. And uh, happy all the holidays that I missed in between. Yes, seriously. All right. Well, get some sleep. Get some sleep, Fred. The system is going down low.